fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to FGGGBT. Now, this is the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology. We make it a reality. We are the Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn. With me, the physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon. Dan, it is so great to be here and not to be um, somewhere else that we'll be talking about. Um, this episode's going to really bring out my love-hate relationship. I'm avoiding spoilers here. Yeah. Um, this thing is something that sounds like a great idea in my head until I do it. Well, I mean, <laughs> that could be just about anything, Denon. Uh, you're playing very coy. Uh, very coy with your information. And that's okay, uh, because we have the master of coyness. Uh, that is our <laughs> enigmatic engineer, Ben Seepser. Ben, how are things up there alone on the brain station? You know, they're, they're going, they're doing okay this week, Dan, but it's getting a little stuffy here. I think I really need to get back to my roots and, uh, get out in nature. Well, you know, Ben, I think that's kind of what you need to do. And as people, you know, longtime listeners will know, you've become kind of our de facto camp expert. And I feel like mm -hmm. that's an undue burden on your shoulders, mm -hmm. which I'm going to rectify today. But I want to quickly give your, uh, let's say, bona fides uh, on camping because uh, it's quite extensive. So here, here, this might not be a comprehensive. I think the, actually I do think this is a comprehensive list. Here we go. Uh, your camping experience starts and ends with, well, it doesn't start and end, just starts with space camp. We've got computer camp, aviation camp, where you learn to be a paratrooper, fossil camp, computer camp, again, where you learned robotics, science camp, natural history camp, a sleepaway science camp where you learned how to make coke, uh, not the Sigmund Freud type. Uh, we got the Memphis Zoo camp, <laughs> we got a tennis camp, we got a youth group leadership camp, uh, nature center camp, and of course, a horse camp where you learned all of those rugged, rugged laws and rules uh, that define the cowboy that is Ben Seepser. So this is yeah. quite a list, Ben. Uh, this is yeah. quite a well, list. You got to remember, I also the most rugged part of that was I. That's that horse camp is also where I learned how to play Magic: The Gathering, the oh, most rugged of all activities. <laughs> sure, truly, <laughs> where you learn to be a man. Uh, that is definitely the place to do it. Uh, but luckily, I'm going to take this responsibility off your shoulders with uh, who I'd call a real man. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> with one of my good friends, uh, who is a true bona fide camping expert who has over 10 years directing camps, um, you know, decades worth of experience there. And not only that, but like you, Ben, as a kid, he did all the camps in his small town. Uh, you know, just a small sampling. He was in Boy Scout camp, Cub Scout camp, Bible camp, uh, theater camp, where he was recruited by the college he and I both attended, speech camp, world affairs camp. And that is none other than my good friend, Andrew Cornelius Keener. Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show today. Dan, thank you for having me. Ben, Dr. Denon, thank you so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate the opportunity. Been a long and exciting journey through camping. Yes, beginning when I was a kid. Very happy to have gone to college uh, at the same place I went to a speech camp and then went on to meet you and then went on to work at Sleepaway Camp while I was uh, in college with you. So it's uh, been a long, circuitous journey since then through through camping management of all different kinds. 
It is very true with a small stop off into Germany for some very immersive language learning. Uh, but that's a story for another time. One of my favorite stories of yours. Um, but, you know, just like Germany, uh, camping can be very, a very scary place. And uh, <laughs> the, science, <laughs> the science of camping is really, when you think about it, the science of survival, Andrew. And, you know, uh, I know uh, actually, let's quickly, speaking of survival, uh, you know, you and you know, I've just outlined you and Ben's ex camping experience. I have almost little to no camping experience, but then, and really quickly, where do you fall in on the spectrum? I feel like it's somewhere in the middle. It's probably in the middle. I did go to a YMC day camp briefly that I absolutely hated, except for the three arrows I got to shoot in archery, mm -hmm. which, you know, was maybe foreshadowing of my future life. Sure. Um, we almost lost my brother. He got on the wrong bus. So apparently buses are just as dangerous as anything else um, for killing you. Um, and, but but my, my camping experience really is many, many, many years of soccer camp, um, which is actually, you know, was at a prep school's so uh, campus. So we got very to stay dangerous. in the nice dorms. <laughs> yeah, very very dangerous, Denon. Yeah, very uh, dangerous. Pretty rugged. Nice dorms. Yeah, I'm glad you made it. Yeah, uh, you know, eat eat good food and play soccer all day. So I I love that. I love soccer at the time, and there was nothing like like playing soccer all day and sleeping in an actual bed at sure. night. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I mean, Dan, that sounds a lot like my tennis camp. Which I mean, we were living in some dorms on a college campus and playing tennis all day. But you got you you can't you can't forget the danger of being out in the summer heat all day playing mm -hmm. sports. Oh yeah, no, we don't. We don't want to relive that. There were some dangerous moments um, yep. that are not actually appropriate to share on a family show. <laughs> no, I'm glad you both are still with us because that sounds like quite a harrowing experience uh, at your affluent uh, sports camps. Um, but but speaking of survival, you know, sports. You know, when it comes to you know trying to kill you, no one tries that better than a coach. Uh, I think we can all agree on that. But also, no one better than a coach is nature itself. It's always working against you trying to kill you uh it's out to eliminate us all and i can completely understand why uh so, so andrew i mean you know is it true when you watch movies and tv this is a pop culture show right so when you watch movies and television it seems that if you get caught in nature simple to survive eat berries that you find along the way eat some nuts you know uh burn a little grass um to make a fire mm. and you know that's all you need Right. Is that true uh, or not? Is it as simple as that? Well, I think what we have there, Dan, is a kind of a, the tension between the probable and the possible. Right. It's often the case with pop culture and television and movies that we see. So there's plenty of things in nature that you can eat. So in the eastern United States, there are blueberries found very commonly in the wild. In fact, along the Appalachian Trail, if you time your hike from north to south correctly, you can follow the berry bloom north. Um, which is a great thing. Um, but other than the things that you would normally find on a grocery shelf, like blueberries, probably want to stay away from them. And nature has many tempting fruit looking things that would <laughs> that would convince you otherwise. But it's good to know better and to not eat things other than what you would find on the grocery shelf. In well, you know, Andrew, you've just confirmed my suspicion that the health food community is out to get you and oversell the value of um, fruits and nuts as healthy for you if most of them will, in fact, kill you. Something that will not kill you, that is, you know, as longtime listeners know, is my go-to food in the apocalypse, which I deny will exist, mm -hmm. um, is the chocolate chip cookie. Um, it is the perfect food, um, and it will sustain you through almost anything. Um, so I'm just out in the woods looking for my chocolate chip cookies. 
Well, I've got great news for you, Denon, because as ridiculous as your approach may sound, uh, there may be some validity to it. When I was a kid, my favorite book uh, was the masterpiece Cookie Monster and the Cookie Tree. My mom read it to me almost every night on demand. Uh, a wonderful woman. <laughs> Read that book <laughs> 350 million times. Uh, but in that book, what do we find? Cookie Monster overindulging, like a certain physics phenom, on a cookie tree. So it is possible Sesame Street has never lied to me. It's possible that out there in the world, there are naturally occurring flora, or no, fauna, that would be, no, wait, no, it is flora, naturally yeah. occurring flora that give you those delicious baked goods that you crave so much. Yeah, I, I love this idea of a cookie tree, Dan, but I'd be pretty nervous about it. One, it seems unnatural. I don't know why it's out there. You know, that <laughs> seems more like a Hansel and Gretel situation. But also, the I was taught in survival camp about milky sap being a problem, and I'm sure the milky sap of the cookie tree would kill me uh, like my survivalist teachers told me. So I'm going to look for the tree that smells like Fruit Loops because I was taught that that is something you can eat. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that it's a little rugged to think that you're going to mix the milk and the cookies somewhere in nature. Uh, mm. But however, the Fruit Loops plant is called sassafras, and it, you can uh. find it commonly in many different places. Now, though the cookie tree is maybe not real, um, so the search for a cookie tree is a great way to keep a group of eight or nine-year-olds busy for minimally an hour while you're out <laughs> in nature. I mean, that, that I mean that's worth the, that's worth the price of admission, right? Especially oh, yeah. as a camp director, <laughs> keeping kids occupied oh, yeah. is, is what you need to do. Now, while I want none of your sassafras, Andrew, what I do want is some of your expertise. And you know, when it comes to movies, of course. You know, when when you're traveling around, surviving on nuts and berries is one thing, but surviving an axe wielding murderer, I think we can all agree it's a much different can of worms. And, you know, there's a bunch of camping movies out there that have this exact scenario. Probably the most prominent is Friday the 13th, which is to me the quintessential camp killer movie or killer camp movie. Or you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, it's the movie <laughs> just dangerous. There's a crazy person running around trying to get you. Uh, so in this particular movie, I think what what strikes me is how dangerous the dark is, how fragile the electrical grid seems to be, um, how you're at the mercy of the elements and frankly, your hormones, uh, which can lead you <laughs> into some very vulnerable situations, uh, which can end in your demise. So let, let's talk about this. You know, uh, it, when it comes to electricity, Andrew, how how you know robust is your generator-based electrical grid out there? Yeah, you know, it's uh, much less robust than a lot of people would think in a lot of different places. You know, power outages at many camp uh, camps are still, in some camps, still a thing on a weekly basis almost, depending on where your location is. Some camps are far enough away that the only way to keep a commercial kitchen going in this day and age is to have a commercial generator to to, to, to keep people fed. Um, there are a lot of places where the power is just super dirty um, and uh, no electronics are safe when you're far enough out in the woods. Um, so the, the dark is, a, is still a real enemy of child and adult alike. 
You know, I find that interesting, Andrea. It's just something I hadn't realized. And again, longtime followers of the show, they know a couple of things. I deny the apocalypse. But mm-hmm. we regularly have informed people how our basic generation of electricity has not changed. Um, they should see things like our Flintstones episode. Um, you know, where, <laughs> For a modern take. A modern take on electrical generation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But basically, you mentioned generators, right? We spin stuff and we burn fuel to spin it. Um, and on the one hand, it's just so robust. It's the only technology we've used for centuries. On the other hand, it fails all the time when you're in camp, making me think these are a little apocalypse practice grounds. Mm-hmm. And this is why as a physicist, I'm really about the camp of the future. I'm excited about this because solar and wind power strike me as ideal for the camping situation. And those technologies have reached new levels of hmm. stability and reliability. I'm just bringing my my wind turbines and solar panels out to my camp setting up and electricity is now my friend. Hmm. I'm really glad you brought those up, especially the solar, Dr. Tannen, because solar has no moving parts. <laughs> and and that's what makes it so great uh, for reliability. You know, the pail just sits there and you brush off the dirt uh, <laughs> and it'll work, you know, for 20, 30 years, no problem. Uh, but it doesn't provide the um, AC that we would need for our fridges and other stuff. So we unfortunately do need some more riskier uh, power converters uh, to make that all work. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you know, I would consider the sun a moving part. Right. So it moves around and it moves to the other side of the planet. So something to consider. I, I do but. believe it's the earth that's moving, Dan. Yeah. Just as a <laughs> just, Well, I right. think that's a different episode, but uh. well, it's more details. Let's not get bogged down in details, Dennis. Uh so the, the sun appears to well, well, we're all hurtling through the universe. So I mean everything's amateur. really moving. Sure. So, so it goes to the other side. We've got to worry about it not being around. Let's say not being around. However magically it goes to the other side of the earth, uh, it's not around. So that's one thing. But also you're kind of at the mercy of clouds cover, let's say. Yep. You know, when the mm-hmm. earth moves around and uh, encounters, uh, you know, a cloud belt out there in space, uh, which they fucks up there. Uh, I think the science is pretty strong. you got to worry about weather is what I'm trying to no, say. You do, or- Dan. Dan and, and this is where, I mean, Ben made a point. With solar, even with our my wind turbines, I I do have to bring my batteries as well. Um, mm-hmm. and, and batteries are great technology. They're really improving. And I just want to give a shout out to, uh, I've heard recently some MIT scientists actually making really cool capacitors out of concrete and carbon black and a little bit of salt. Mm-hmm. And a concrete capacitor um, is going to be pretty tri- child and ax murderer proof. So mm-hmm. if I got that connected to my um, solar power and wind power. I store it whenever the sun or wind is out, and then I use it later. So, Dan, I'm feeling as a physicist, mm-hmm. electricity is my thing. And I'm feeling like the modern age is ready for me to try camping again. Hmm. Okay. I, I like this new capacitor. It also sounds a lot easier to make, uh, you know, with concrete <laughs> and stuff. You know, capacitors are pretty uh, delicate uh, hard to manufacture things. So anything that'll simplify that will be great. <laughs> well, I, I tend to be an analog guy, right? And I think analog, you don't have the failures of technology. You know, it's not, you don't have the the comforts, you know, the creature comforts we all require. But what about candles, Andrew? Um, this is analog. It's been around for generations. Um, it's easy to make on discarded child fat. Uh, you can just <laughs> kind of render your own. So they, there's an endless supply at a sleepaway camp, right? Well, uh, you know, it's funny because uh, um, you, 
with all this technology around us, right? We still use candles, but do we do uh, use them actively? We certainly can. So at one camp that I've been involved with, as in many camps, there's a closing ceremony at the end. And um, at this particular camp, and every camper gets a candle. It's a very special thing. Um, and uh, um, so we that camp starts its summer out with something like 2,000 candles just in storage. So, you know, when the need arises, there are candles to be had. Mm, yeah, I, I just have trouble envisioning candles and dry leaves. I don't know. And kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. As well as discarded kid fat. These these four things are just percolating <laughs> in my brain right that now, one? causing problems. <laughs> well, I'm just, just uh, tell me I, when I'm telling lies. I think this is the problem of you spending too much time in Southern California, Doctor Denon, because <laughs> okay. you know That's where right. Andrew's That's from. Right. You know he's out in the wet, rainy woods of ah, the Northeast, uh, Northeast, where it's a lot safer. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's and the sunsets. Uh, you know, the uh, it's dark at night. <laughs> you don't get uh, you know as much sun during the day. Yeah, as the sun floats away from the earth and then comes back later that's, on. As that's we all right. know, science is something us. like that. Uh, well, <laughs> you, you may feel safe up there. Sure. You know, uh, you may feel safe up there. But one thing you can't feel safe on is if you're in a camp like this. Uh, there's going to be we, we haven't really tackled this axe wielding maniac who may be hiding out in the forest. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some truth to this because. Um, I think when you're looking at, there's a lot of forest, it's still unadulterated, unexplored, well, not unexplored, but, uh, you know, there's forest out there, let's just say, where you can get lost. You know, I did a whole fascinating nouns episode on the North Pond Hermit, and this is a guy who lived for decades out in the forest, basically, you know, sneaking into people's homes to get some of the minor things that, that he needed. But he lived out there with some pretty cool analog technology. You know, I don't want to say he's my spirit animal because he is a burglar and a thief, but <laughs> the idea of living out there on your own, just deciding it can happen. If you have bad intentions, Andrew, this is where, you know, your camp can be in danger of being massacred. It's true, you know, and uh, I think the word instead of unexplored, you might have been looking for was underexplored. Um, you know, there are vast stretches. We're lucky that there's still vast stretches of wilderness in this country. I was lucky enough to live at a camp um, that backed up against a national park which a lot of people don't know, the Appalachian Trail is a national park. So you can literally could take a take a walk off the camp property, turn left and hike about 800 miles and turn left and hike about 1,000 miles on the same trail. So, <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. It's like the 10. And it's like the 10 highway. <laughs> it, it really is. And uh, same same markers the whole way along in either direction. Um, I, I one camp that um, that I've been involved in uh, is on a twelve hundred acre property that is set inside of a national forest. Um, so you could literally walk into the next state without crossing a town. Um, wow. So those stretches of wilderness still exist. And, uh, you know, it's not inconceivable that people hide out there. You know, when when we talk about this, and, and Dan, I don't know, this is just one of those episodes where I keep flashing back to our other episodes. I almost feel like I'm in one of those TV shows where they got lazy and only do flashbacks. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're you know. putting in work. We're putting in work. No, we're putting in work. I'm just not. I'm just using flashbacks only. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we, we've talked in the past, Andrew, about strategy of how we would win, particularly in the Hunger Games. Right. Mm -hmm. And and why is the Hunger Games relevant to this? Well, I'll tell you why. Right. <laughs> like I think about these typical scary movies, Friday the 13th and others. And one of the reasons the axe wielding person who's living alone in the woods can win is the campers never really organize appropriately. And if mm -hmm. I believe my strategy was to organize a team 
and win and only wait at the end of the Hunger Games until we turned on each other. Luckily in camp, we're not going to turn on each other. I want to know how much training you have, Andrew, in organizing your campers to defend against the lone axe-wielding murderer because that seems to be the key, Dan, here is that they always overlook. They don't organize in the movies. They're not coherent. They're not following that camp team spirit. And I feel like (laughs) team spirit is the counter to the individual axe-wielding murderer. Yeah. Strange though it may be, you know, there's not a lot of training around defending against an axe murderer, despite the fact that literally every camp has a hatchet man tail, right? We know this to be true. Every camp, oh, every camp in existence. Warning signs revert. It's a matter of time. It's just, this is math, Andrew. (laughs) That's exactly right. So it's stunning there's not more training. We spend more time thinking about things that can actually run out of the woods and kill you. Some camps deal with a black bear population that definitely presents on your camp property. Some camps have wild boars that definitely present on your camp property. A lot of these things depend on where you are. I mean, heck, um, where Philmont Ranch is located, the granddaddy of all um, Boy Scout camps in America, that's in a desert environment, which literally has 90% of the things in nature that can kill you. Right. Uh, it's in Australia? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Close, actually. Wow. Well, I mean, I, that, that, that's something to think Arizona, about. Arizona, maybe. Yeah, I, that sounds yeah. pretty. That sounds pretty terrifying, Andrew. I, you know, I remember being in camp and thinking I'd found a, the shed of a, of a venomous snake in our mm-hmm. uh, laundry uh, out, outbuilding. Sure. Um, it turns out it was probably, it was just like a rat snake or something, but uh, it definitely uh, got me concerned about, you know, what's lurking out there. Was that For at sure. the Memphis overnight zoo camp or which one? Which one that was, was that? actually at the Horse Magic the Gathering camp. <laughs> <laughs> slash scary horse snake camp. Slash. Horse slash Magic <laughs> right. the Gathering slash venomous snake, not but not actually know. venomous snake camp. <laughs> Right, right, right. They've they've shortened the name uh, yeah. uh, subsequently. Um, well, you know, I think when you're hiding out, you know, you're talking, Andrew. You're saying that it's possible to hide out. You got to prepare yourself for this, right? So there's a great video game called The Quarry uh, that I got for for my birthday this past summer, and I, I love this game. So, you know, in it there are wild boars. You know, spoiler alert: there are werewolves. Uh, you know, there are other, you know, the Sasquatch, I think, even makes an appearance. And obviously, Andrew, those are a concern to you and the safety uh, of your of your campers. Um, but there's two things here that I think can keep people safe, although they are a little weird. And number one in this in this video game, there is a, a hidden lair that's underneath the camp director's desk. You know, there's a big trap door and underneath is just this huge concrete room that can be used for almost anything. And he also has uh, a security room where there's tons of cameras keeping an eye on all the aspects of camp, all the ins and outs, you know, the trail, you know, trail cams and all this type of stuff. Uh, This level of security, you know, uh, it seems like you are not prepared for for either uh, an axe murderer, Sasquatch or a werewolf attack. Um, Do you did you were any camps? Did they have any of this stuff to, you know, to help you get an edge on these types of things? Well, I can't say that I had a lair. Now, I was in an office at one point where the camp director's office was directly above the records room. Oh. Um, that was pretty scary. It was a cinder block oh. room filled with old dusty records back from the 30s, de- pictures dating back to the 30s and the 40s, all kinds of interesting stuff. It would sure. have made a great lair, but it wasn't a lair. Sure. Um, <laughs> camps are full of many of these types of spaces. Um and, and and I I guess I would just you know say that from a video standpoint can't say that I ever had a trap camera room. However, I've definitely used video uh, monitoring of some at some level 
um, at camp and a couple of different places. And there are very few camps that don't use some form of video surveillance in some areas of camp at this point in time. Yeah, and it seems like this is a technology that's really improved, Andrew. Like, I mm -hmm. feel like our ability between Wi-Fi-enabled cameras, I mean, I know you're out in the woods, but you've got a little bit of electricity, and you don't necessarily need to string cables everywhere anymore. Mm -hmm. And just having video on the kids just seems very helpful to me. Well, I mean, you still certainly can be. Yeah. You still have the problem, Dr. Dunn, of the power for the cameras. Now, there's oh, yeah. a lot of solar cameras that, you know, will use the sun and have a battery to record at night and such. But I would still want the cables because, you know, you're out in the woods. It's the it's long distances. Wi-Fi isn't so great over that. You know, if I was setting up a room like this, I would almost certainly want to, you know, set up some telephone poles and really uh, wire that place up. <laughs> well, well, you know, yeah, you know, Dan, not to interrupt. Ben sure. is, is underselling himself here, I realize, okay. because Again, if you if listeners go to our episode of, of about from, <laughs> they they know Ben's expertise with ropes. I think he wants the cables not for the security of the videotaping, but flashing back to the evil axe murderer. I I'm just worried about the traps, Ben. Not worried. I want Ben at my camp. The traps he will generate out of the mm. cables from mm. the video to capture the axe wielding murderer are way better than the video. I think. I think that's why Ben mm. wants a camp with cables. You, you, you know, I thought you were going to say something else there, Dan. I thought you were going to bring up again my fear of antennas, uh, <laughs> which is also a concern. Yes. <laughs> yep. It's a serious concern. Well, you know. I mean, what's a concern to me is you guys have all these power needs and they all seem to be based on solar. And again, through years of science have taught us that the sun blinks to another dimension every single night <laughs> and then comes back into this existence and this reality. So I just think we need to worry about that just just a little bit. Um, it's a serious concern. It, it, well, that's, it what, the, that's what the campers are for. Uh, Dan, you just uh, have yeah. them, you know, treadmills, you know, run on some treadmills <laughs> to generate your power. That's right. That's right. I love this. Now that faster, is faster, faster. <laughs> yeah, you want to keep them busy. A, a cookie tree, or and when they're, you know, when they're when they're as punishment, you get to power the camp. I think this is only true. Uh, and if you know, we, we're not going to get into the movie Heavyweights, um, but maybe that's a place where that might be particularly useful. Uh, so let's talk about, you know, uh, we, we're pretty serious here. We're talking about scary movies, but as we all know, there are some famous comedies that also take place at a camp. And what I realize is the master of film and television here, gentlemen, is that when it comes to comedies or horror, what's interesting is that they all use the same stuff. It just has a different purpose, right? So for example, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Andrew, your you, that lair that you had, you know, it can be to hide an axe-wielding murderer. It can be to have be boring and have records. Or it can be empty in a place where you know you take uh, your little lady friend down and 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 do whatever, right? It's the hijinks, uh, sexual hijinks that are always uh, apparent in some of these movies. Um, you know, skinny dipping is certain death in a horror movie. It's an inevitability in a comedy, you know. And you know these crossovers. I think you know, and Denon, you've pointed this out before, but these crossovers, I think, are what make a comedy and a horror very different, but also strangely similar. We're almost on the, on the edge of going between horror and comedy with these movies. Oh, definitely all the time. And as, as you know, I'm very aware of this because my fear is that in either of these, I'm dead. 
Um, because <laughs> a, a, as a nerd, as a nerd or geek, you are the target in the comedy, right? Like this is the problem. I actually think I'm better off in a horror movie. As we have evaluated this, we've already right. established all the cool physics and science that I can use to get rid of the axe-wielding murderer. I would rally my team. I'm a mm -hmm. team player. I'm a leader mm -hmm. by nature. I would rally mm -hmm. my team. We'd take them out. Like there are a lot of things in the horror where my talents rise to the top and I survive. And I've watched plenty of movies and learn from them. Um, mm. The comedies are what scare me a bit more with my my childhood experiences. Um, I would definitely have to figure out how to fake being a cool kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that goes on a lot, Andrew. Like yeah, yeah, on. you know, uh, it's, it, it's a thing you could say, and definitely a lot of these spaces can go either way. You know, the dark and scary spaces at night, can't say that I've ever been attacked by a uh, axe-wielding murderer. I don't have any scars to show for it. However, the other parts of camp, you know, I mean, I know the skinny dipping part, I've had it work out pretty well for me, it turns out. So <laughs> As he shows his wedding <laughs> ring. So uh, congratulations on that, muzzle talk. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Not only, and then and went on to get married at camp. Wow. Uh, wow. Okay. I, I assume a, an axe-wielding murderer or a werewolf was not the um, – your best we man or the uh, minister? No, for that one we did train for that. So we had a strategy. We kept him at bay. It worked out. Perfect. 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 <laughs> no, that's that, that's great. The other thing that would keep us all safe is thanks to this show. Really, both us and our listeners, we're all very genre savvy at this point, no, and we right. know not to follow the weird noise into the wood or into the dark, creepy cabin. <laughs> uh, I think we'd we'd all be able to stay out of the situation that would put us in to the proximity of this axe wielding horror situation. Well, it's funny, you, you know, you say that, Ben, and, and, mm -hmm. but I've got something for you here. You know, Ernest goes to camp. We can all agree that that's a comedy, um, despite <laughs> the fact that it might be hard to laugh sure. at now, but, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it, is, it is a comedy. One of my favorites growing up, right? But one of the things that is an ongoing theme in that movie is camp food. Uh, you mm. know, uh, one of the chefs is always trying to find his recipe for eggs erroneous. Uh, we don't exactly know the composition of this particular meal, but I'm guessing, Ben, you know, mm. you've gone through a lot of camps. You've eaten a lot of camp food. Um, have you ever had eggs erroneous? You know, I, I can't recall that direct directly, Dan. I was I've never been an especially picky eater. Mm. Um, I, I got to say, I think I liked all the camp food I ever ate, but what really weirded me out when I was in camp and food, there was this one fellow camper I had who just loved Raisin Bran because he needed to, you know, eat that to do the things that Raisin Bran does for you. And I thought that was a very strange thing to be worried about when you were uh, 12 or 13. <laughs> Nature's broom, they call it. I mean, you can have the same effect with all those following those blueberry blooms up north on the yeah. Appalachian Trail, right? Uh, clean job. Powerful yeah. combination. I, I was more concerned with the the sassafras and the real Fruit Loops. Uh, uh, for breakfast. <laughs> yep. uh, and I'll yeah. be the first person to tell you, I have survived about 50 different versions of eggs erroneous <laughs> at a variety of different camps and pretty much most of the stops from childhood all the way through adulthood. It's yeah. real. Uh, yeah. And if it doesn't kill you, you know, it's uh, then probably nothing can except for the axe wielding murderer. Um, <laughs> if it doesn't you know, kill you, you're not eating it right. <laughs> that's exactly right. If it doesn't kill you, you're not eating it right. <laughs> Um, I will tell you that, yeah, a lot of uh, camp food, it's a it's a real thing. It's a real tongue in cheek joke in uh, in the camp world. Um, and it makes a great pop culture reference. And we live in a different time now. You know, it's mm -hmm. uh, the, the expectations of today's parents are a lot different than they were in the 1980s and 90s. 
um, mm-hmm. certainly when we were growing up. So I think that um, you've seen a lot of progression through the industry where where you have uh, different versions of eggs erroneous for sure. And you get a lot of other things that are a lot healthier than, than, than they were at one point in time. Right. Well, I imagine in the 80s and 90s, parents wanted to send their kids to camp and be left alone. And now it feels like parents want to attend the camp with the kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that pretty close? That, that That's where all that video surveillance camp comes in. Right. Right. Cameras right. every day and write me a hundred letters home and let me talk to your counselor. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like that, that, this is coming from a place, I think. This, uh, maybe, this maybe. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. that sounds like parents in college these days, Dan. I mean, I, oh, I will never forget the question on, you know, parent orientation tour. Um, who's going to wake up my kid to make sure they get to class? And, and right. the answer was uh, no one. Yeah. <laughs> what? <Kid. laughs> yeah. 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 No, parents have gone over the deep end. We can just say that. Um, That's right. That's I can only right. imagine their fears and interference with camp, which is clearly a way more dangerous place than college. Yeah. Well, much. Though I do appreciate their influence on, you know, gourmeting up the menu, it sounds like, uh, you know, those parental sure. expectations, you know, at least our kids are, are uh, our campers these days are eating uh, better than we were. I will tell you, I don't know what I'm more surprised by. The fact that I brought up a cookie tree in this episode or the fact that you have parents who expect someone to come by and wake up their kid to go to school, to go to class. Yeah, that's <laughs> I don't even know money you, on that one, Dan. Yeah, I don't know what's more in the realm of fiction, and we do specialize in explaining <laughs> fiction on this show. And you've stumped you've stumped me. Um, well, I imagine, Dan, and that's a pretty hard situation to navigate. Um, but luckily, navigation is what we see in wet, hot American summer, although of, of a very different type. You know, uh, again, we talked about being lost in the woods. You know, finding your way around is very difficult. You know, w- w- nowadays, you know, kids uh, and even you, Denon, I'm going to call you out here. Your brain has been turned to mush by your over-reliance on GPS. I'm a map guy. You know, I look at pieces of paper that have lines on them that tell me where to go and were accurate as of at least 10 years ago. So I am very entrenched in this world. But navigation is key here. And Andrew, I met you got to have some little tricks and tidbits and some kind of advice. If you get caught in the woods... How are you getting out? Yeah, that's a great question. So you've uh, you've got to have at least some kind of a system because you're not going to teach orienteering to every nine or 10 year old or even every 14 or 15 or 16 year old that you have through camp. So uh, one good example, I know one camp that I worked at was basically one giant hill and there was kind of water all the way around. So if you walk downhill and you get wet, you're off camp. Turn around. Right. Really simple rule to teach a kid. Um, there are a lot of different tricks like this that you can use to keep you know, kids to have some kind of sense of direction. And those are important because of just what you're saying, Dan, it's much easier than you would think to walk off camp and become instantly lost or walk into an area of camp you're unfamiliar with and be instantly lost out in the woods. It's mm-hmm. such an unfamiliar environment, especially to today's suburban raised child. Oh, yeah. And and Dan, you're right. GPS, I'm really worried about what it's doing to my brain. I will tell you, one thing I've been lucky with, most of my phones, for some reason, the GPS isn't very accurate. So I still need to rely <laughs> on my natural skills. I, I buy mostly broken phones. I don't know what mm-hmm. that is. Um, and recently, I've been in some new places and my the speed at which I adjust and mm-hmm. navigate, I'm feeling proud that I still have that skill. Mm-hmm. As much as I 
mentioned kind of hating camping. I grew up in Connecticut and rural Connecticut in the woods. So yeah. during the day, I just got very good. I have to share a very quick story on this navigation to show the generational thing. My, my, my daughter was shocked when her grandfather, my dad, visited her at college um, in Rhode Island and completely navigated the city using a tourist map. Now, as we all know, a tourist map only has about 30% of the actual streets in the city. Right. So he was navigating yep. from a partial map and just the skills that that generation had of navigation. And she was like, how did grandpa never get lost? And that's just, <laughs> you know, what he does. Yeah. That's incredible. It, yeah, is, really it cool. is. You know, you guys mentioned the suburban uh, jungle. Uh, <laughs> and see, I would think the, wide, the winding uh, cul-de-sacs of where everything looks the same. I think that would be perfect training for the wood, the winding paths of the woods where all the trees look the same. Uh, but I, I am curious, Andrew, are there good ways to uh, navigate the woods when it's dark and you can't really see the stars? There are, there's some really good, you know, you want to teach kids about landmarks. A lot of us like Dr. Dan, I think like yourself are landmark uh, navigators. Yep. So teaching kids all about like, what are the things you look for? You know, most modern camps have directionals nowadays. There was a time when you just kind of told a kid it was over there. And nowadays, a lot of camps have like, you know, neat little wooden uh, directional signs that have the little, you know, arrows on them pointing to generally <laughs> where you're supposed to go. Um, at night, you know, it's all about kind of knowing how to navigate. You try to give each kid a star chart at the beginning of camp. I'm right. kidding. You don't get right. any kids. That you can see chart. at night, right? right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You can see at night. Um, but yeah, you know, a good way if you're you're on the path, if if you're on a trail in the middle of the night, it should be the gap where the trees are not above you, even if the moon is not up, right? Now, if you're yeah. looking, if you're off and you're off the path, then there's no pattern to what you're looking up at. You're probably off the path. But in general, the gap in the trees or some gap in the trees will follow the path. That's a really and, simple. And one. Andrew, that's really important when you mention the trees because I do like to point out. Um, unless you're in from another an episode I've already mentioned, mm -hmm. the trees don't move. And so they are right. good landmarks, mm. That's right. um, That's right. which is, you know, something to teach kids. You know, cars and parking lots are not necessarily good landmarks because they do move. So when you park right. your car, it's a different set of navigation skills than when you're in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. My, right. my only concern there is, you know, as a player of video games, you know, all trees are the same. And therefore, I'm conditioned in the woods to to not notice the differences between the trees. Yeah. Yep. And we did an episode on Minecraft, and those trees yep. are identical. Yep. Uh, yep. But you know, we all know. Again, we all know that at night the sun goes to sleep and goes back home where he belongs, and it gets dark, right? But how do we know when that's coming, uh, Andrew? There's got to be ways that's to a, know when when the sun is going to go to sleep. And that's another good one. Knowing when it's going to get dark and how much time you have left is uh is a really good one to know and a, a simple trick on that one is uh if you hold your hand to the horizon each finger should be about give or take 15 minutes of daylight left at sundown so as uh, the sun is getting down however many fingers between the sun the bottom of the sun and your horizon it's about how much time you have left to pitch a tent and start a fire Mm, yeah, I think that's great. And, you know, as every good camp director and camp counselor knows, it's three fingers of scotch when there's three fingers of light left. If that's I'm right. That's right. If I know the adage <laughs> <added> correctly. <laughs> uh, and, you know, speaking of three fingers of scotch, you know, meatballs uh, is another great, <laughs> another great comedy. And in it, you know, the camp director, you know, he likes to imbibe. He gets a little, you know, possibly hungover while he gets on the radio at 6 a.m. or the PA system. And, you know, this I thought was this is a lot of 
of fun. You know, we're in a podcast. This is a very advanced form uh, of radio. And but but back then, there's something kind of cool about just having, you know, a system, an internal system where people can talk and and communicate. It it seems like a lot of fun. Uh, And I know, you know, Ben, I feel like of all of us, given as much camp experience as you've had, there must be some radio experience in there that you have. Yeah. Well, we got to throw another slash on the horse camp because it was horse camp slash Magic the Gathering camp slash not actually Venomous Snake camp slash radio show camp. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Where uh, we got to one of the activities we got to do was uh, have a radio show and everybody, you know, you were given like an hour to uh, broadcast to the camp. Uh, We did like this awful zoo crew thing where we did like a South Park sketch we wrote ourselves. I'm sure if I heard it today, I would be cringing and very embarrassed by uh, the quality of entertainment we were putting out for our fellow campers. The quality of fart sound effects. That then that means we have to, to find that. Well, change. I don't think we, we have, have the fart button. That. If we if we had the fart button, I think it would have been a lot better. <laughs> yeah. We'll edit that in later. We'll yeah, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll be good. Yeah, I do. I do want to find that tape. I'm I'm, I'm with you, Andrew. We got to get a hold of this. This okay. it's out there somewhere. Was it recorded, Ben? Uh, oh God, no. Call someone? no. There's no. There's yeah. no chance. The there's a chance. There's always, there's always a chance. There, there's right. cell phones everywhere, even back then. They went back That's in time. Right. Look, look <laughs> Denon has told us about quantum tunneling, where there's a, a chance that a particle can go through an entire mountain and get to the other side. The chance is not zero, I believe. So the it's chance is not, not zero uh, that this, well, this tape Well, the real somewhere. trick, Dan, is if we figure out a way to travel faster than light, we can then go ahead, ah. get go get ahead of that transmission as it leaves the planet and uh, find it again. <laughs> yes, there there's always a way. See, when the brain trust gets together, we figure it out. There's always a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there always and, is. and Ben, you've cracked it. Even for your own embarrassment, this is your commitment to excellence. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. <laughs> the, the and show. Dan, the That's other right. thing this shows is once more. I want to just bring back this crossover between comedy and horror, and how comedy mm-hmm. trains us to survive in horror. You bring mm-hmm. up radio. Um, mm-hmm. And you you realize, I mean, we've established that I'm coming to camp with massive electrical generation power, right? Um, because <laughs> I, I'm prepared, and, yeah. and I will weaponize the radio um, because we, oh, as we know, right, mm-hmm. a sound weapons are a thing. They're being developed. You know, people are very interested in mm-hmm. them. Um, mm-hmm. And if I just amp up the power of these speakers, um, axe wielding murderer, you know, does not stand a chance against my sound weapons. Um, <laughs> so just one more one more piece of my arsenal that I'm taking from comedy and crossing yeah. over to horror for survival. You certainly are. I mean, yeah. it, it's, uh, you know, it's axe wielding murderers, werewolves, boars and Sasquatch. You, you, you <laughs> got it all covered uh, with this particular weapon. And, and I'm happy to tell you that that is a great premise for a based on a true story camp movie, Doctor. Um, uh, most most camps have some. A lot of camps have some form of radio or PA system. Uh, ben, I was also lucky enough to be involved in radio at camp, and I, I led a lot of kids through that activity. Um, at one camp I was at, there was a noon radio show that played every day. The campers got it to put it together every day. Um, and earlier on in that camp's history, during the 50s and 60s and 70s, there, there was the all-camp PA system with the old-school, you know, speak cone speakers <laughs> that were wired for, you know, a quarter mile at a run uh, to all different places on camp. You could do announcements or you could do, you know, sound torture if you decide, I don't know, whatever you're up for, Dr. Denon. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, <laughs> there's there's a lot of ways it could be used, but that's, a, you know, really a thing. There's definitely, PA at camp is definitely a thing. 
Hmm. Whatever you're up for, (laughs) Andrew's on board. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, I mean, I think that would make for all this stuff makes for a great story. And there is one place where stories are told, and that is the campfire. But that campfire, unlike the sun, doesn't just spring into existence when you need it. You have to create it. Mm -hmm. This is a feat of analog technology that we still use today. I mean, since the the early days of man, uh, they've been making fire, you know, rubbing two sticks together, as I understand it, is the way that God intended a fire to be made. Well, I will say, Dan, I got to interrupt you there a little bit. Um, I'm not sure it's the way God intended because the gods clearly intended us not to have fire. Mm-hmm. It was Prometheus <laughs> who stole the fire right. and brought yeah. it to humans. So you, you got to get your religious background correct. <laughs> and know, <laughs> right. know who actually intended us to have fire. And that was Prometheus. So yeah. Um, yeah. and Prometheus probably did intend us to rub sticks together. So I will give you that part. I think that was right. Well, I think yeah. this is where the engineers come into place because the engineers clearly want everybody to have fire. That's the beauty of the 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 camping flint system, or just you know bringing a lighter. Uh, you know, there, some great engineers have worked very hard to make the compact lighter so that we can now have bring fire with us wherever we need it. I was just going to say we humans have hijacked that technology, Ben. You couldn't be more correct because Dr. Denon and nature. Friction fires are incredibly hard to start. You know, uh, bow drilling, rubbing two sticks together and using some other form of medium to catch a spark is incredibly hard to do. I'm, I'm lucky I've known exactly one person in my life who's good at it, my wife. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's an incredibly hard skill to get good at. I remember, you know, in my very minimal camping experience, one of the things we had to do was take you know, basically a piece of wood and a big, thick piece of wood and a small, like, you know, um, a dowel mm-hmm. rod, basically. And you take a, a loose bow, you know, another piece of wood with a string on it and you twist it around and you use that as your, you know, friction device. I'm guessing that's the bow drilling part. Mm-hmm. I saw people do this. I was never capable of it, but I did many times literally rub two sticks together and didn't do anything but <laughs> wear the bark down. So that was not Dan, successful. I'm with you on this. I think we're, we're, we're you know, kindred spirits in this. Code. I spent hours upon hours upon hours of my childhood trying to start fires, whether it was rubbing sticks together. <laughs> I, I did not know about the bow Jeez. drilling till I took my kids. I, I was a chaperone on a kid's school trip where they taught them bow drilling, which I thought, sure. ah, that was a gap in my knowledge as a child. Um, nope. Ben, you mentioned flint. I tried uh, wandering around the woods of Connecticut, and I assumed every rock was flint. I mm-hmm. didn't know it was a particular type <laughs> of rock. I've mm-hmm. pounded many rocks together to make fire. Um, but I am a physicist at heart. We are pyromaniacs. I spent a lot of hours lighting matches in different ways and having mm-hmm. fun watching the fire always in the safety of the bathroom where there was a source of water nearby so that you could put out the fire if you accidentally did anything um, too dangerous. Yeah, you know, we we uh, just this public service announcement here to those listening at home. Um, you know, we like to sprinkle little narratives throughout our show. And, and one of the um, more dangerous and scary narratives is the hidden pyromaniac that lives inside Dr. Denon, uh, which today has just come to the surface in a way that is, uh, dare I say, disturbing. Uh, so I just wanted to make sure that people, you know, understand what's what's really going on here psychologically. Um, but, you know. Now, one thing that I think will, you know, besides listening to Denon's rhetoric on why the world should burn, other things that will mess you up psychologically 
would be getting launched into space accidentally, which mm-hmm. is where we find our last movie, Space Camp, which is about a bunch of kids who go to a NASA-sponsored camp to learn how to be an astronaut. And, you know, while I thought, you know, when I was first watching the movie, I actually thought it was a documentary. It turns out <laughs> that it is, in fact, a, a fiction mm-hmm. film. And there is one man, luckily, we have on our team, you know, we started out by saying that I was going to pull the burden away from you and uh, Ben uh, mm-hmm. as our camp expert, just to lessen it a little bit for this episode. But I'm putting it squarely back on your shoulders because of the four of us, you're the only one who has actually attended space camp, uh, which, you know, Andrew, I think you can agree during our childhood. That was the quintessential camp that you wanted to go to if you were a kid. That was it. And it's so exciting to have somebody who's actually a space camper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so how true to how true to life was this? You know, Dan, there's a lot of nuggets of truth to space camp. Uh, you know, they right away they split them into teams. That's how it worked with us. You know, mm-hmm. you'd have we'd have teams for the missions, you know, six kids in the shuttle, six kids in mission control. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I keep saying kids here, and that's the, that's the big issue I see with this movie. All these mm-hmm. these these are basically adults uh, attending space camp, which is not the reality. <laughs> uh, the reality is uh, the, the 10-year-old uh, who wannabe astronaut is the actual attendee of space camp, not a bunch of kids who can drive cool Jeeps and uh, park in the wrong parking spot. Right, oh, right. That is so funny. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you on that, Ben. Dan, I do, I do have a little bit of a, a question for the group. I mean, Ben's letting us know there's some reality here. You, you, mm-hmm. you claim this is fiction and not based on a true story, but mm-hmm. you know, my understanding of the world is we've now done um, Beavis and Butthead take on the universe, mm-hmm. space camp where people end true. up in space, right. um, space camp, space camp where people end up in space. And, and I believe, um, if my math is correct, two points do make a line. Mm-hmm. Um, and That's so true, therefore yeah. it must be true that space camp sends you to space. Um, interesting. You know, I, I can't argue with the logic. Or it, the math. It's hard to argue with that, except that there's more people who've been to space camp on a given week than have probably ever been into space. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you have thousands of campers every week and, uh, I'm pretty sure the list of people who've gone to space is pretty short still. (laughs) Well, I mean, so, uh, you know, that's a that's a great point. Numbers don't lie. um, But it's also true that you can make numbers uh, prove either side of that question. But but the other thing here, Ben, that I want to ask is, you know, if if that's true, you know, and if this movie premise is true, what would you you know, if you got launched into space accidentally uh, do you think you could make it back? Did your time there at space camp give you the necessary skills to lead a mission into space and then back from space? You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's another nugget of truth in this movie. You know, you see not only do the kids really? get broken up into the teams and there's mm-hmm. some kids in the shuttle. Well, they don't really show the mission control uh, uh, campers in the movie, but that's how it works in at real space camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to run a mission. That's like the whole point of camp. Uh, and... Unlike, and not, and it's not the ordinary counselor telling you uh, what position you'd be. You're, you're elected by your uh, fellow uh, team members. And, of course, elected. I was elected shuttle commander because mm-hmm. I was, of course, the best camper in the yeah, uh, group. And, so, and a cyber being. Yeah. That's exactly and, right. And just like you see in the movie, you run the mission. They give you these fake mm-hmm. um these fake challenges where they like make something break and you have to fix it and you get any, yeah. and, and you run the mission and then you get ranked at the end against all the other groups. Mm-hmm. 
So it sounds like, I mean, if I, if, if your excellence is any mark of, mm -hmm. you know, your excellence today is any mark of how you were as a kid, I imagine, you know, the particular mission you ran, does the record still stand that you, the set, I'm guessing, uh, this, the set of the record of excellence, does that still stand today? Well, I mean, Dan, as you know, I was a very competent camper. And because yeah. of that, I knew exactly how to fix the problem we, we encountered in our mission. Mm -hmm. And right. I did it so perfect. I did it really quick. And, you know, maybe the shuttle probably blew up because I flipped the wrong switches. <laughs> maybe, probably. Uh, but okay. you know what? We got maybe. to that point very quickly and efficiently. <laughs> <laughs> to, to the point of, of uh, burning up to a crisp? You got to the, you got to uh, the explosion very I, quickly and very you efficiently. Know, I, you know, a, a rapid unscheduled assembly, as uh, my, uh, uh, my yes. former bosses would say. Rapid unscheduled. <laughs> so... Uh, so then both you what you're telling us is that both the movie and your experience were correct. That both demonstrated that flying a rocket is super hard. Yeah, yeah and, and that you should not put children in them. That's right. Exactly. That's both the real takeaway. proven by both experiences. Yeah. I think yeah. I think that's that's the real that's the real takeaway. Uh well, you know, I think that that is just uh, I mean, a great story, Ben. And you know, your your mark on the world uh was started there. Uh, and and then and I'm sure you love just the thought of Ben sending something into space and then exploding it into a beautiful flame. Oh yeah, no, the the, the right. I'm sure the mission was create the largest fire you can because that's usually the goal of any mission. Yeah, sure. if if sure. only graphics were that as good back then as they were today, and we could have actually seen that instead of just. The counselor's probably pressing the button to let us keep going. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're paying good money to be there. Uh, That's the mark right. of, of a, the mark of a true curriculum. Uh, Dennis, I'm sure you know about that. So, yes. <laughs> so uh, that is a great way to end. What a fantastic journey down the camping world. You know, we're going to skip airs, additions, and omissions because I think we covered it all. I, I don't think, Andrew, I don't think you left anything out here. Um, but if anyone listening, if you think that we have, how dare you, number one. But number two, if you want to let us know, you can find us on social media. You can find the show on Twitter at FGGBTPod, on Facebook at FGGBT, uh, and on the web, uh, on the web, let me say that correctly, on the web at FGGBT.com, or send an email, questions at FGGBT.com. But you can also get in touch with us individually. Denon, where can people find you? You can find me on most social media at Den and Michael. You just flip my name. Um, if you're on Facebook, you actually have to stick a prof in there, though. That's at Prof Den and Michael. And I do actually have a website now. Surprisingly, it's denandmichael.com, where you can find all 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 things Den and Michael that you want in the universe. <laughs> and, and 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 Michael Dennett. You can find and both, Michael pe Dennett. both people at the same website. Uh, what about you, Ben? How can people find you? You can find me on all the major social media networks at B Seepser. Geez, how do you spell that? Spell that B-S-I-E-P-S-E-R. And you can, of course, get in touch with our camping expert who will be back to the show for all of our camping needs. Andrew, how can people find you on uh, the Internet, which is extraordinarily digital despite your analog expertise? Well, sad to say, Dan, there's still very little Internet in many of these woods at camp, so... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, uh, although that's true. Write a, write a letter. Uh, write a letter. Is what you're write, saying. write a letter. That's it. <laughs> yeah. There was a time. When you, anyway, but no, uh, I could be found on both Twitter and on LinkedIn. And for anybody listening who's actually sincerely interested in finding a camp for their kid, whatever style of camp they would like, you should start by Googling American Camp Association. That's a great place to look for a camp that is of a very high
high standard and quality has been accredited by a third party agency. So I'd encourage any of the listeners to, to look at that, but find me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Uh, LinkedIn is just Andrew Keener and uh, Twitter is a Carson K at a Carson K. <laughs> I did not know that. A Carson K. That's great. A Carson uh, K. You can find me uh, on the internet as well. Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn. Uh, on Instagram at the Daniel J. Glenn. And threads as well. Uh, same name there. And on Facebook at Analytical Mastermind. And I have a website at, no, there's no at. There's just a www.danieljglenn.com. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe, and ring that bell so you never miss an episode. And finally, this show contained powerful information that could be misused by those hell-bent on world domination. So you want to take this information and do good with it. Whenever you're given the choice, always be a superhero, never a supervillain. So until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Now, of course, if you're listening to this episode and you've gotten this far, you're going to want to subscribe. Well, how do you do that? We're on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. But if you're not already subscribed to those platforms, I made it easy for you. Go to our website, ftriplegbt.com. You'll find links to those subscribe buttons and also links to our social media, both for the show and for our individual experts, the members of the Brain Trust. That's all right there ftriplegbt.com. And before you leave, don't forget to check out our other episodes. You can find the link at the top of the page for everything we've got, and you'll notice that we've got both a YouTube version and an audio-only version, depending on what you like. We got it for you, and if you do like those videos, you can go ahead and subscribe to those as well. We're on youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. And once again, if you like this show, you're going to like everything that I do. Go to danieljglenn.com to find out more. Thank you for listening.